I'm Dean Murdoch, and this is Amazing Places. Welcome to another episode of Amazing Places. This week, I'm talking to the two-term mayor of Souk and past president of the Union of BC Municipalities, Maya Tate. Hi, Maya. Hi, Dean. Thank you very much for joining. I'm so pleased that you could take some time to, to chat with us today. Well, thank you for the invitation. So I would love to talk about uh, how communities are preparing for the year ahead. 2021 is going to be, I think, unlike anything we've experienced in recent history. It'll be totally unlike uh, years before 2020. And I think we'll probably be quite different than 2020 as well as we cope with what is proven to be a very challenging second wave of the pandemic and then emerge from the pandemic, presumably, with a vaccinated population and recovery from what's been a very challenging past year. It puts local governments in particular in a very challenging position as you try to anticipate what the needs are going to be, how you deliver programs, what kinds of services might be out there. So what has the experience been like for you? How is How are you preparing in, in Souk for 2021? here in Souk, I feel that we're well positioned for 2021. And in part, it's because of the work from 2020. So if we roll back a little bit, when the pandemic first hit us, the world was changing daily. So new health measures were coming into place, and we were all trying to adapt, uh, keep ourselves safe and our communities safe as well. And then, of course, there was a drop or a significant impact into variable revenue sources. So for example, in Souk, we receive casino revenue. Uh, the casinos are closed and now that the, that funding isn't there. Uh, also, we know um, businesses were greatly impacted and residents as well. And, and also council, how do we continue on with the council business with with our operations being closed. So what has emerged through there is the provinces come with the COVID relief funds. And that was uh, through the federal and provincial governments together responding and listening to the needs of local government. Um, of course, no one size fits all when it comes to local governments in BC and how we all fund our operations and how we deliver services differs from one community to the next. Uh, but they did come up with something and as they committed, they delivered it by the end of the year. So that helped us as we looked ahead to doing our budget planning for 2021 and beyond. Um, the COVID relief funds though are specific in how they can be used. And so the, the advantage though is that if we don't use them all in 2020, we in Sioux created a reserve fund so we could use them in 2022, 23, basically until the funding has been um, completely spent. And then there we would do an appendix to our financial plans to show how the funds uh, were used so that we protect ourselves and also um, have that accountability piece in place. Uh, we've also been able to continue on with ministerial orders uh, doing council business. Um, for a growing community like Souk that comes, we needed to be able to have public hearings, do development permits, all of the necessary work, uh, and have the ability to do so without the public present. I still find that to be a challenge though, um, but right now we're meeting virtually from home, 
and it's not ideal. Um, and also the doors aren't open to, to the public to come in and to hear and observe. However, we've already had webcasting technology in place. So our IT department was able to make things work to sort of enhance the viewing the online viewing performance and to make sure that things work. It doesn't work though for folks that don't watch the webcast or may find it challenging to navigate our website. So we've heard that and we brought in a communication coordinator to help get more print articles out, community newsletters out, social media channels going because we didn't, communications was basically done off the side of someone's desk and for years and that doesn't work either. So we needed to make that improvement. So that helps and uh, naturally places like our bylaw enforcement um, were impacted. Um, they have a role to play with education and awareness around the, 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 the health, um, risk, the, the restrictions that are in place. So having some funding to offset the additional uh, requirements that they need like a second vehicle um, also helps because you can't physically distance in a car. So having those funds in place and having received them by the end of 2020 enabled us to get going with our 2021 and onwards financial plan. And we just adopted that this past Monday. And that's the first time we've ever done that in district history. Usually our budget isn't adopted until April and we come right up to the May 15th deadline of having our tax rate bylaw. What this does is it's given us the advantage of time to get the tenders out, to get the RFPs out, because pandemic or not, we have a severe infrastructure problem in Souk. Our roads are congested. Our wastewater treatment plan is reaching capacity. We need more sidewalks, healthy, um, active, trans active transportation, like good trail systems, connectivity and the like. So even without a pandemic, we still have that problem. And it's recognized by our community, our staff and council. Uh, so we're able to get on with that work. Um, naturally, a lot of our infrastructure projects are grant reliant, but I feel over the past few years, both the federal and provincial governments have responded very well to local government needs. Uh, they're listening to us. They want to work with us. We agree we're all working on this together. We're all representing the same people. It's just how the boundaries are might differ. Uh, but I feel that even with the doubling of the gas tax a few years ago from the federal government, the opening of more grants, uh, I feel that um, we finally are all working together to better all communities. And so we'll wait and see how that comes. And then meanwhile, I've asked our staff, okay, if we're not successful in the grants, you need to start thinking of what plan B looks like for funding, because these are important projects to our community. I'm curious about that because um, local governments, unlike federal and provincial governments, are not in a position to run deficits. They're actually legally prohibited from running a deficit. And so if, as you've already finalized your financial plan for 2021, this year that is bound to be full of unexpected occurrences um, could very well throw Souk and other communities a curveball in terms of what you need to begin ramping up for, for services or, or other unexpected expenditures. What kind of position does that then put you in with a, a budget already uh, finalized in, in, as a bylaw? I think local governments are nimble. We always say we're closest to the people and that we are. We all uh, live or live close to our communities that we represent and we're actively involved. So we'll hear the messaging and then we have the ability to do 
to bring forward um, not budget transfers, but we can make finance like changes to our budget as we need to. Uh, and, and we can put that forward through staff reports and the like. So it's something, amendments is the word I'm looking for, is we do have the ability to do that. Um, the province has enabled us to borrow from reserves. That was something we didn't choose to do in Souk, mainly because we don't have a lot in our reserves and we would only have to pay that back. Um, but maybe other communities at least have that as an option if, if necessary. Um, and so that's where we also have a line of credit that we put into place every year if we need to sort of fall on some emergency funding. Uh, that's been a general practice that many local governments have done here in Souk. We haven't had to use that, but at least it's an option that's available. And a lot of what we've done, the way our CAO and our council has structured itself is look at service delivery. So here are the services that we deliver. Are we content with the level of service? Do we need to increase or decrease? So in some cases, that might be something that we need to choose. Uh, we know that our parks and green spaces, trails and the like are very important. COVID has certainly shone a light on how important it is to get outside and it's something we can all safely do together. So we needed to amp up our services to the parks. However, if we're running into a revenue shortage, then we might need to make some cutbacks in those areas. That's just one example. You mentioned um, senior governments delivering infrastructure grants um, as, as just sort of a regular practice over the course of many recent years. I hear a lot about, uh, particularly from Ottawa, musings about what kind of pandemic recovery infrastructure funding might start to flow. Have you had insight into that or those conversations that you've been included in? Not recently. Uh, when I was serving as president of um, the Union of BC Municipalities, I also sat as a board member on the Federation of Canadian Municipalities and participated heavily there. So was actively involved in that advocacy work early on. Um, but of course, uh, with our AGM at UBCM, I passed the baton on to our current president who has now actively taken that up on and is doing very good work on behalf of all local governments. So the grants I'm referring to are the ones that I've known about where we've had intake. We've uh, encouraged our staff to get us ready to apply for those grants so that we have good a good quality application going forward. So we're in a waiting mode right now. And the advocacy effort is to get the money out to communities because we need them. We did a lot on our end whether it was investing in a consultant or maybe putting other projects on hold so our staff could meet those necessary deadlines. So there was a cost to our community in that way. And now it's time where we're just waiting for the outcome. Um, another file that I had been advocating for though is the cannabis revenue share. Uh, there was a commitment made by the federal government that once cannabis became, recreational cannabis became legal, that a flow of that realized revenue would flow to local governments. We're not seeing that revenue. So that was a piece that I picked up at Union at UBCM and it was something I would carry on with. What has been the holdup in the revenue sharing? The holdup is actually the province and uh, they're basically keeping all of the funding. And so the UBCM did reach out to our membership just to show costs and to work with the, the province in that way. Uh, however, they're not flowing the funding to us, but places like Quebec and Ontario are, and I think even Alberta is in some ways, 
as well. And so it was a commitment that was made and we're just asking them to honor that. So that presumably those are ongoing discussions between UBCM and, uh, and the provincial government. Yes, that's correct. So I'm curious then, since you've talked about your role as uh, past president now of the Union of BC Municipalities, and for folks who don't know, um, uh, Maya served as uh, president of, of UBCM uh, last term, and well, the last term for UBCM, which was last year. Um, and it's, it's kind of a rarity here on the South Island for us to have uh, that kind of executive representation Yes, you're correct. So the UBCM has been around for over a century now, and rep the membership is comprised of all local governments throughout BC and several First Nation communities, so over 189 in total. And so we're talking about um, electoral areas, regional districts, small, mid-sized and large communities. And we are a sounding board or advocacy finding issues in common to all local governments. However, UBCM also delivers the federal gas tax. So this is about $2 billion that flows through to BC and they administer and deliver that. So one portion of the gas tax is based on uh, per capita population. It's a straight formula where the fund goes out. The other one is a different series of grants. Uh, and then often um, when the province or even federal government come up with a different line of funding, often UBCM is involved in the delivery. So one of them would be, there were grants in recent years on childcare delivery and childcare services or housing needs analysis, uh, different um, fire protection services and the like, environmental stewardship, uh, many that are run through and delivered through the UBCM. Uh, but there's also representation on, I think, either UBCM executive or the staff sit on nearly 100 various boards through the community. So one of them would be the police wow. act review, or it could be access to justice, some municipal pension plan. There's many, there's a lot to list, um, fire safety, like there's many, many different ones that cover off all the different realms where UBCM has an active role. And even going forward with Minister Osborne, uh, our current municipal affairs minister, and she's going to be doing outreach and engagement to local governments and UBCM will be with her on those calls. So that um, again, it's, it's working together, which is fantastic. It is definitely fantastic to see that working relationship between UBCM and the province. And I think that that has been a, a very successful relationship um, from a community's perspective that um, has allowed, um, I think, given the province some real insight into issues that exist at the community level. And it's great to see the province paying attention to those issues. And of course, uh, you're probably as delighted as I am to see Josie Osborne taking the municipal affairs portfolio. Um, she was the mayor of uh, Tofino for a number of years and I think can speak uh, quite fluently in terms of community needs. So great to see her uh, taking on that position. So I'm, I'm curious then, uh, you mentioned uh, those discussions that, uh, that uh, Minister Osborne is hosting. Is that with respect to this, this period, this pandemic recovery period? Yes, yeah, so prior to Minister Osborne taking officer, Minister Selena Robinson, our now Minister of Finance, also had the role of Municipal Affairs. And Minister Robinson came from local government as well. She served as a councillor 
prior to her being elected as an MLA. So also wonderful to see one of our peers uh, in this office because they understand how our communities work. Um, so during the pandemic, when, when COVID hit us, um, Minister Robinson convened um, different calls with mayors across the province. And at first it was all the mayors and then it started breaking down into regions. And it was a good way to share information out and also for the minister to hear, you know, one or two ways that um, the pandemic was hitting our communities. And so they did break it down into smaller groups. And, and even Premier Horgan participated on the call as well. And so for some communities who have never really connected with the province, this is very meaningful to actually have the province reach out and say, we would like to hear from your community. Uh, and if the mayor wasn't available, they had, you know, there's always two phone lines per community available. So often our CAO is on the call with me. Um, if I weren't able to make the call, I would ask the deputy mayor to step in. And so Minister Osborne is now continuing on. She already had one series of calls as an introductory one uh, and just to introduce herself and to touch base. And then there's another call scheduled for the end of the month. And my understanding is that um, UBCM will be joining in on those calls. And that also helps because then the union can hear from its membership as well. And just hearing and, and understanding the impact is really important. Um, so then no one will, no one should feel alone in this work. We're all in this together. And having gone through uh, last year as president um, during that very challenging period uh, and now as past president, what are the kinds of things that are emerging from communities as, uh, as their primary concerns? What are they dealing with and how are they preparing for, for this year? So last year is all about the, the hit on revenue and the impact on services and how we're going to get through that. So, and again, this is where one size does not fit all. Every local government is uniquely different and that's what, you know, it makes it, I don't know, exciting or there's a challenge there as well. Um, in some cases, perhaps maybe the COVID relief fund wasn't enough. In other cases, it was great. So it varies here. Uh, now I think we're turning our minds to what the recovery is. Uh, we know that there is still an ongoing impact on businesses and families. Uh, and, and even in some parts of the province or many parts, uh, Wi-Fi is a challenge. And so some communities like mine, we can have virtual meetings, we can webcast it, record it, and put it on our website. Well, if you don't have stable internet, that's not an option. Mm -hmm. So then you have to think about how can you physically distance safely in chambers? How do you record this? And how do you get it out to the public? That is a real challenge in communities uh, where there isn't Wi-Fi. So that is a definite concern that is being raised to the province and the feds. And it's not just local governments. What about the businesses or the employee that needs to work from home or the children that are trying to do their education or post-secondary you know, post studies online when you don't even have access to internet in your community? So that's a big one that's emerging. And there's a, a lot of attention is being focused in on how to do that or how to get this necessary service to these communities. Uh, going forward, it's the recovery. Tourism has been 
adversely impacted. We're hearing now of airlines cutting uh, flights to certain parts of the community, certain communities. What will that look like going out? What about folks that need to travel by air to get to important medical appointments? We're a very large province and not all the health services are located uh, everywhere, right? So there's a need to continually improve that. And how do we lift our small businesses and keep them viable going forward into the future? What about our restaurants, um, our hotel industry and all the people that are in that those lines of work. And for some, maybe it's easy to transition and pick up another career. Um, but for others, where would you go? How would you retrain? What would you do going forward? What do you think um, expectations are going to be from residents as we go through this pandemic recovery period? So once we've gone through this extended period where we've in many cases been you know, only visiting with folks within our own household. Uh, for a lot of folks, it's meant working from home. Uh, other folks have been out of work or they've uh, had very reduced hours. What do you think uh, the expectation might be from, from folks as the world begins to get back to some state of normalcy? Maybe empathy. Um, everyone's situation is different. Not everyone will come online and share the hardships that they have. Uh, there's a severe impact on mental health. Um, it could be the struggle of financial insecurity. How do you how are you going to pay for this or that? Um, and so, as we as some, you know, we want to just okay, let's turn on and get all these things done. I think we need to be patient and think um, of how everyone has been impacted. Put ourselves into someone else's shoes. Um, what if um, families don't feel safe? They shouldn't be forced to do X, Y, or Z. So how do we work together to ensure that everyone is representative and that no one's falling behind? And that's a very, that's a real challenge because we don't always know the, the situation that someone is experiencing. So trying to think of how to, um, so I think it's supporting our community partners who do that work um, and suit maybe it's our suit region community health network and really listening to what we're hearing from those that are out in the field delivering this work and what are the gaps we know in suit mental health support is a significant gap we knew it before the pandemic and now we've really realized it uh, we recognize how important our food bank is and there should be no judgment or stigma attached to a family that needs to access the food bank for a short while uh, I know that there's children coming to school that are hungry and the, our food bank is delivering healthy meals or as healthy as they can be with COVID restrictions to children and families that need them. There's been some criticism of families choosing to send their, send their kids to school and others not. This is a unique one. It depends on the family. There could be domestic violence in the home. There could be food insecurity, other things we don't know, which is why sending children to school is important uh, for their learning, their well-being, and so forth, and maybe they don't, folks don't have access to a quality laptop or Wi-Fi, and I think my son is in school, I'm not a teacher, like how would I try to teach him, he doesn't always listen to me at the best of times, now I have to take his education and future in my hands, so this is where it's yeah, I don't want someone judging me, and I think it's fair that we don't, but some empathy to what everyone is experiencing Families are grieving and they haven't had the ability to grieve. They've heard of 
they've maybe lost friends and other connections that are so important and can't have that celebration in life. So it's, it's really tough. And small businesses that maybe invested every cent they had into what into 2020 on what they figured would be an amazing year, amazing year, and now to see that disappears, heartbreaking. It's a real challenge. So I think it's important that we listen, and we take the time to listen. That we be patient, that we be empathetic, and sometimes just present and holding the space. Sometimes some of my residents just need to be heard. They they phone me not because they expect me to answer, but maybe because it's a number they can call and, and maybe I'll answer. And, and I do, and I try to answer the calls and maybe I just need to be present in that space. I really appreciate that approach. I think um, you're absolutely right that there are folks who are experiencing um, tremendous stresses in their life and uh, probably are looking for ways to be able to to reach out and express that either through frustration or concern. Uh, so it's it's wonderful to hear that the mayor of the community is is willing to be uh, uh, on the receiving end of, of those calls. Thank you for for doing what you do. Um, you talked about the the lack of connection and uh, the desire for for more social connection uh, that has really been you know, lost over the last year. How do you think communities are able to provide that opportunity for social connectedness? What what are the steps that local governments could take that might allow for a return to some kind of connectivity for folks? It seems that it's what would be outside. And so in some cases, I'll use an example. We have a staircase uh, in one part of our community that we are looking to replace. And now we've changed it and wondered why is it so expensive now is it the cost of materials no we need to make it wider we need to make it we need to put in the ability for everyone to use the staircase and physically distance at the same time so we have to make it wider and we need to make the trailhead wider so there's some things like that um how do we make different changes to our park to accommodate more users while keeping everyone safe. So how do we go about doing this? Do we put in like a one-way, some communities have done one-way routes. This is your way in and this is your way out and it's a big loop. Uh, and that way everyone's heading in, in the same direction. Um, we also know that um, a lot of pets have been adopted uh, through the pandemic. So how do we accommodate our furry friends uh, into these areas while also respecting those who may have, may not like the furry friends, whether it's allergy or whatever, they, the parks have to be inclusive for everyone. And how can they also be accessible for everyone? So accessibility is on my mind. Um, some of our parks are not accessible to folks that, and now they're stuck and they can't enjoy these places. So as we look at the outdoor environment, how can we make it inclusive and welcoming for all abilities? So I think there's that's where some extra time is needed. How can we make the grade better so that all wheels can travel on this system and include everyone together? So I think that's sort of one way. Um, how can we create um, a safe outdoor gathering space perhaps? And, and how can we look at that? And even without the pandemic, it's a beautiful day out in Souk right now. So, even in the middle of winter, it's nice to get out and enjoy some fresh air and sunshine. These are good 
infrastructure investments that we can enjoy in, in for many years to come, pandemic or no pandemic. Uh, in my household, um, we've started a list of the things that we would like to do when we're allowed to do them again. And uh, for a while there, playgrounds were on the list because of course, for, for a period in the spring, uh, playgrounds were not accessible. And for my kids, that was a big impact. Uh, and obviously seeing their friends and, and getting together, celebrating birthday parties that were missed uh, has been a big one. What's on the list for you? What are you most looking forward to when we can get back to doing the things that we, we miss doing? I would maybe celebrate lacrosse. So I mentioned that because Souk doesn't have a lacrosse or a outdoor multi-sport court area. Uh, and anyone interested in picking up the sport would have to go to another community to play. And so we've partnered with the CRD through the Sea Park Commission on a few occasions to try to realize this amenity. And last year we were successful with the grant. And so we received a grant of about $1.2 million. We have district owned land that has funds in a reserve for the development of it. And now our staff are all working together on how we can realize this necessary project. So what that means is that lacrosse and even outdoor hockey uh, is coming to Souk. In, in a not too distant future in a neighborhood in, over here at Sun River. So that's exciting and something to celebrate. It's something new and different, it's outside uh, and providing another recreation opportunity within our community. Uh, speaking of the furry friends, we also know that there's been collisions with dogs. And so we're moving ahead with a dog park uh, or a bark park. Maybe that's not a puppy place. <laughs> we'll find a appropriate name for it where folks can take their dog and let it socialize. Socialization is important, not just for people, but also for dogs. They like to play together. So it will be a place where they can play safely because not all of our parks are fenced. So even if you're trying to train your new pup, you want to make sure that you keep it safe. Well, we realize that and we're bringing in that amenity uh, to Souk. So that's exciting. And again, it's outside and, and maybe folks will have the ability to meet other neighbors just by enjoying, by having the dogs socialize a bit. Um, and, and then as well, um, some other enhancements that we're doing um, up at the Souk Potholes Park. Um, it's part of that, a section of that park, or most of it's owned by the CRD, but the lower section was owned by the province and that has been transferred to the municipality, but the infrastructure that's in place there is aging. So we're looking to make some improvements there. Uh, and that's a very popular park, obviously, for the entire region. So we look forward to making it more inviting and, um, and more attractive for everybody. And then even just some wonderful trail cord uh, you know, try not to share them all because they're kind of like secrets. These are chance going <laughs> everyone going to them. But we have done some trail work just to make some wonderful loops down by the river. Another one uh, to go over a salmon bearing stream. And I spent a lot of time down there and having my son just in that proximity to see beautiful eagles and the salmons uh, climbing up the river. Uh, it's a wonderful learning opportunity for him, it's an area that's very important to the South Nations. So I look forward to working with them just to share how special these places are and what do they mean to the South and how can we share that knowledge uh, with future generations. Um, 
you know, they've been wonderful stewards of these lands and how can we really uh, share and showcase that for upcoming generations. Um, so that's really exciting and they're beautiful places, uh, you know, in my neighborhood that others um, can also enjoy. Is there anything else you wanted to share with folks? Well, what I'd like to share is just how hardworking elected officials are at the local government level, mayors, councillors, regional directors. Um, some have full-time jobs, some manage careers, some manage um, their families or have family responsibilities, but all are extremely dedicated to their communities. Uh, really want to set the table successfully for future generations, but also respond in a meaningful way uh, to their constituents. And uh, it can be challenging work, but they're very dedicated. And I think often we hear a lot of what's happening with um, the federal or provincial government. Um, whereas here we are closest to the people, we're, we're doing a lot of hard work and my peers are doing a lot of heavy lifting. Just wonderful people, extremely dedicated and really putting their best foot forward to to make the best out of their community and to draw out the best. So I just really want to recognize uh, all the local leaders for the work they're doing. Um, and we're all uniquely different. Uh, I think at the local level, we don't necessarily belong to parties um, like other levels of government sort of need to be. So this allows you to be independent, sort of a free thinker, a free agent, um, but you can work very hard and advocate for what you feel is, is needed in your community. So I just want to recognize all the local elected folks in BC for the hard work they're doing. Thank you so much for, for the work that you're doing and not just for Souk, but for, uh, for communities all across the province and, and the work you're involved in through, through UBCM and, and your discussions with the province and your discussions regionally as well. We haven't talked at all about uh, work that happens at the regional level, but I know you're a, a board director there as well and um, have been very active uh, in, in doing work that supports us at a regional level. So. Well, thank you very much, Dean, and I really appreciate the opportunity to Zoom and podcast with you today. This is wonderful. Uh, it's been my pleasure. Thank you for taking the time to, to chat. Maya Tate is the Mayor of Souk and past president of the Union of BC Municipalities. Thanks so much for taking the time to chat today. Thank you. All the best. Stay, stay well and safe. This has been another episode of Amazing Places. I'm Dean Murdoch. Thanks for listening.